Hey everyone, welcome to the Opera Sky podcast. My name is Ricardo Monegas and I will be your host. On this podcast, we would like to share valuable knowledge, lessons learned, and stories from entrepreneurs, investors, and managers while running their businesses. We strive to ask the right questions and discover insight from our guests so you can apply them in your business and life right after each episode. Thanks for joining us and let's get started. Hi everyone, today we are talking with Oybin Besterdal. He is the CEO and co-founder of North Solar. He has been working for more than six years in renewable energy industry and North Solar is building, developing, investing uh, solar power plants in emerging markets and mainly focus into commercial and industrial clients. So welcome, Oybin. How are you? Thanks so much, uh, Ricardo. I'm doing well. <laughs> Good. Uh, Oybin, how, how did you arrive to work into renewable energy and specifically solar energy? Yeah, that, it's, it's a good question. So um, I've always wanted to create something uh, and during my, uh, my time um, working with different companies, working internationalization, we stumbled across something that was called solar. We didn't know too much about it at the time, but it, it perfectly fit the bill of, uh, of what we wanted to do. And, and once I saw that, you know, we have a chance of investing in, in solar power and renewable energy, that's good for both, you know, fighting climate change, making the world a better place, uh, then we understood what, uh, that this was something we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Good. And you said you were working first into internationalization and market. So uh, what is your background? If you can go back in time and mention what did you study or how did, yeah, how was your formation? Yeah. No, no, thanks. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, I started uh, my studies uh, with a uh, master's in engineering uh, at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what I've been doing the later years. <laughs> uh, so, so I, after my studies, I went into the oil and gas business, uh, which I think a lot of the people here in, in this part of Norway has done. I mean, this is basically what this part of Norway is famous for. Um, so I worked in big uh, energy organizations, you know, saw what worked and what didn't really work out in those big organizations. Um, and then I moved on to a bit of smaller ventures. Uh, and basically, it was a bit of chance, but I, I met with three other people who are looking to create something of their own as well. And we really hit it off uh, so that, you know, we, we don't know exactly what we want to do, but we want to do something together. And so we started uh, <laughs> what ended up in being a boutique financing company and consultancy company called Colent. Uh, which now later on has, you know, developed uh, and also without me uh, has developed into becoming the largest niche player within this segment in Norway. Um, so, so basically what we did was helping the best companies in Norway, taking them uh, through financing of projects, but also helping them into the bigger world, uh, you know, finding clients in Southeast Asia and, and the likes. And, and throughout that process, you know, you develop a network and you see that there are other opportunities out there. And, and that's when we saw that there was there were these companies developing something called solar projects. And we really wanted to look at, well, what is mm -hmm. what makes this special? And, uh, and that's how the, the seed of Norsk Solar was formed. Um, and, and during the, those months and years that followed, we, we basically met up with uh, the private investor behind most of the larger wind farms in Norway. And we saw that, well, we have a fantastic match because he really wanted to do something within solar. And uh, he saw that through the experience we had with project financing, internationalization, and also the competency we had built uh, within solar, we could make something. So we started off Norsk Solar uh, and, uh, and the rest is history. Okay, and 
on that journey, so what is the long-term vision you have as North Solar? Do you have any specific metrics that you want to achieve? Yeah, so, so we, you know, we started out super small in 2017. There were just the four of us starting uh, the company. Now in uh, last year, we took the company public and we really see that what we have started now is, is the beginning of something really big. I mean, we are investing in infrastructure and we are providing companies with the opportunity to choose renewable energy. Uh, this is something that's not that easy in these markets that we're working in. And basically by giving the companies the opportunity to choose you know, cheaper electricity and to meet their uh, sustainability targets, uh, this is you know, an amazing win-win for them and commercially very good for us as well. And we are now setting a target within 2025 to have two gigawatts of uh, installed power plants uh, uh, within 2025. Uh, so it's a bit of a hairy goal for us. In practice, this is you know 2,000 megawatts, which is approximately, uh, well, it's, it's uh, $1 million per megawatt. So it puts it into perspective uh, on, on the scale of this. Got it. And just for people who doesn't understand the level of all right what does it mean two gigabytes maybe in comparison to a city or the power to a city or uh, do you have any numbers on units of power that, what does it mean that uh, so, so what we're what we've done so far you know we've built power plants in pakistan ukraine and, and vietnam at the moment and with just the two first ones we are powering average households of a bit over two hundred thousand households um, and this is from a bit of 50 megawatts. Uh, so, so by having uh, having this target, it will be a significant impact. And, and, and it's not just in terms of, you know, the numbers on the megawatts, but it's about giving the companies an opportunity to be more competitive. You know, we've seen COVID, we've seen the energy crisis, at least in Europe. And, and this is true for a lot of uh, the rest of the world as well and now you have the security concerns given the uh, the situation in europe as well and and energy is not becoming cheaper and then this is the pain or the problem you see and at the same time you see that solar power the cost of solar has reduced by 99 percent over the last 30 years i mean it's it's fantastic the development uh, that we've seen uh, so you know, some people call this a technology revolution and, and we're in the middle of it. Uh, so what we're basically seeing is that this low cost energy should be made available to the clients, to the consumers directly. This is what we're looking at. Got it. And in this process of uh, building these plants, uh, do you have any specific industries that you are trying to convert to be clean energy or is really generic at the moment or how, how do you feel about this yeah so so you know we're working in, in uh, challenging uh, markets uh, or high growth markets uh, you know uh, like pakistan vietnam uh, brazil south africa and but the norm and the common denominator for us on the client side is that the clients we have are really strong i mean in uh, in vietnam we are building for what's the largest retail company in Southeast Asia. So they own a lot of supermarkets in the region, but also in Europe. Uh, and so, so these are huge players financially. And, and this is important for us because um, as we started with, we, you know, we develop finance, build on and operate solar power plants. But what we really do is that we sell the power over you know, a long term term period, like 20 years. So we really want the client to be around after 10, 15 and 20 years as well, so they can pay back on the investment. So, so that's why we have selected the larger financially stable clients uh, and typically supermarkets, uh, some factories and, and typically international brands uh, into the mix. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, just talking about uh, that mention that you are selling the power. So what makes the difference that you are selling the power compared to other models that in, in the solar energy industry? Can you explain those? Let's say what, what makes you 
unique, let's say, on that perspective or, or your advantage? Yeah. No, no, that's that's a good question, and, and this is one of the you know the, the issues we've been seeing the past years in the in the solar market. Basically, the only option you had as as a consumer, if you want to have access to the cheap solar energy, is that you know you need to buy the solar panels and put them on your own roof. But if you're a, if you own a, a large uh, factory or a supermarket, you know you don't want to take that investment because it's you know it's millions of dollars. Definitely not your core business, so you don't want to take that risk of having a power plant on your roof. And you know you, you don't want to do that. Uh, so that's what, what we've seen is that it's been a transferring of the buying modules and having them on your own roof into the what we call the power purchase agreement model, where you have a professional player that uh, that knows how to build quality solar power plants, and then they sell you the power, so that you as a consumer or a client. I mean, basically, you just want clean power, and and it should be cheap and predictable, and then you have it. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned you are operating into emerging markets. So how have you created that network uh, of partnerships and and offices in different or maybe two different countries, right? So uh, how was this process? Because you you have let's say four years operating North Solar, right? So. Um, it has been a long-term process to achieve this partnership, or how do you feel about it? Yeah, no, no, that's definitely true. It's it's not been easy, uh, and and these are extremely challenging markets. I think that uh, for all of them, they are scoring you know very poor on ease of doing business, and and they, they are generally not easy markets. Um, however, for us, we've spent now not just four but five years on building the networks and it's not easy to become a partner of Norsk Solar and we rely a lot on local partners uh, at least in the initial stages and then we put our own boots on the ground so so that's where for us it's all about having the right partnerships to make business uh, I mean we can come from Norway and, and have you know one two years experience in the market but it's never gonna beat having a lifetime of experience and being ingrained with the culture so that's also why we at Norsk Solar you know we have uh, more than 75% of the employees are non-Norwegian uh, even though we're a Norwegian company and we have more than 50 nationalities and 20 languages in, in the team um, so this definitely helps us when we are working in these markets that we, we have the knowledge, the know-how and the experience from these. And then, you know, we get a lot of help from uh, uh, bodies like the Chambers of Commerce and the embassies and the likes. Uh, but definitely it's having the right partners. Um, and, you know, as, as you said, it's, it's not easy to come into this position. I mean, we usually take uh, months of generating these partnerships because ultimately we need to create a project that is so good that the banks want to uh, provide non-recourse financing. Uh, we uh, at Norsk Solar, and this is one of the things that are really special about Norsk Solar, we work with the large uh, financing institutions uh, from Europe and elsewhere. You know, we have state-backed impact investors into our own projects. So that really puts uh, the, the quality requirements high up there. So, so it's not easy to, to get into this position. Got it. And it was always your plan to partner with the state on, on funds into this, or it was part of the process that you discovered, okay, this is a way we can uh, grow and, and, and partner with these specific financial institutions? Yeah. Right? So, so when we started, we looked a lot at what have other solar companies done before us, uh, because solar isn't new. Uh, and at the time, uh, a couple of years back, the, the usual way of doing solar as an energy company is what we call utility scale. You know, you build, uh, develop, finance and own a power plant and you sell the power to the state. Uh, but this is where we saw in Norsk Solar that the markets are changing and, and the needs in the future is not going to be directly with the state, it's going to be directly with the companies uh, because there is a huge gap there. So. Basically, what we did is we we spoke and discussed and we uh, strategized with uh, the finance impact investors and 
finally, we arrived at an agreement uh, with the Fin Fund. They're owned by the Finnish state. Uh, and we basically created a new ecosystem for financing of uh, what we call commercial and industrial projects where we sell directly to the clients. So, so it's taken a lot of work and, and a lot of time to get into a position, but now we are you know, one of the few players in, in the world that are able to provide that kind of companies with, uh, with projects uh, of solar. Okay, sounds good. So congratulations for that. <laughs> and how, um, just to understand uh, how does it start? Like you decide, okay, I will establish a power plant in X country, like Brazil, for example. So uh, how does it start? What is the process behind that? Maybe, of course, in the big picture, just for people understand. Uh, yeah. yeah, the processing. Uh, so uh, I, I think basically, you know, we start off as uh, as any company. You know, where are the pains the the greatest, and you know, where is there a big discrepancy between the price that companies are paying versus what we can give them? So so that's obviously one step. So so we look at where you know there's a lot of fossil fuel uh, and where. Well, we see that they are generally importers of energy. So, you know, Vietnam, South Africa, good examples of that. Uh, in South Africa, you now you have uh, load shedding, which is basically planned blackouts in the cities, which uh, sounds uh, far-fetched to everyone in, in the rest of the world. But this is the situation now. And that makes the pain for the company so great that uh, they see that there is a huge commercial upside by getting into uh, business with, uh, with a solar company like us. So we can, uh, we can basically give them uh, super cheap en energy compared to what they're paying now, and it's more predictable. So it's to look at these dynamics when we look at the markets. Uh, so we've selected a few where we see that markets dynamics are there, uh, we have the right partnerships, and we have the ability to execute some on the projects. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Everything sounds really great about solar, but we wanted to as well touch like, do you feel there is some challenges into into the production of energy using solar energy or, yeah, so what are your feelings into this? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the first thing is going back to what has happened with solar, you know, the, the price of solar has been reduced by 99% the past 30 years. So, so I think, you know, a lot of the big challenges have been solved. However, we still see today, you know, if you put solar on your roof, it's going to generate a lot of electricity during daytime, but nothing during nighttime. And, and this is obviously a challenge because you can't control when you produce the power. Um, and what we see is as the next step in solar is twofold. One is making solar accessible. This is key. And the second challenge is basically to combine solar with some kind of storage, whether that's batteries or hydrogen, in order to make it more uh, predictable as well. And, and this is what we're looking at, for instance, in South Africa. You know, when you have solar plus batteries, suddenly you have a base load. You can power your you know, factory or your home whenever you choose it. So you choose if you want to use the cheap solar electricity or uh, the the grid powered price uh, or grid powered uh, energy uh, when the price is low, so so we, mm -hmm. then you really take it to the next step. But I think in all of this, the key is that we're in the middle of a technology explosion where things are changing so extremely rapidly that it's uh, it's going to be difficult to predict exactly what will happen. But uh, solar is definitely part of part of the future, uh, and that's just to look at. Uh, IEAs and, and other um, other prognosis for the coming years. Okay, and what are the trends that you see developing in the market at the moment that uh, that you feel okay? This is the solar energy sector goes into this direction or another. Yeah, yeah. so I think one of them is basically it's it's already developed to be the cheapest form of energy available, right? Uh, but that has also caused a lot of the, well, a lot of the utility side of the markets, you know, where you sell the power to the states. Um, it's been quite congested uh, at the moment. So you see a lot of the big players going into those markets and the price is going down on 
per kilowatt hour produced energy, which is great, but that also means you have less projects being produced uh, in, in some of these markets because the states can't keep up. Uh, so instead of waiting for a state to launch an auction on a market, uh, we see that it's important to go directly to the to the consumers, and I think this is what we will see more of. Okay. Uh, do you see that the technology itself of the solar panels and uh, or the batteries or, or the other resources you need for the plant operations are improving in efficiency uh, during the years? And do you see, for example, because at least from my knowledge, the solar panels, of course, are just taking part of the energy coming from the solar, uh, from the solar uh, ra radiation, right? So. Um, what are your feelings into this? Do you see that there will be more efficiency or is actually even needed? Because you are saying that actually the problem is that we don't know, like you need to storage the, the, the energy, yeah. right? Well, I think on the one hand side, you know, it's, the efficiency is definitely improving, but there are caps on how efficient the solar panel can be. Um, uh, so there's a lot of interesting stuff happening today. You know, in Europe, there's a lot of uh, research into perovskite, and, and that will definitely improve the, the solar modules. But still, I think the key with solar is that you can, it's super cheap, you can put it anywhere and you can produce energy locally where you also consume, you know, as opposed to the big nuclear power plants or even the wind farms that take, you know, a year or two to develop. With solar, you can develop a project in weeks and then you spend weeks or months to, to build it. I mean, you can't do that with any other kind of technology today. And I think this is the key with solar being so, uh, so prevalent now and, and becoming more and more important. Uh, imagine sub-Saharan Africa where two-thirds of the population are without power at all. I mean, this is something like 700 million people, which is, a, you know, mind-boggling numbers. You can't build centralized power production with transmission lines like you see all over Europe because the distances are just too vast. So you have to produce where you also consume. And, and you know, this is fantastic for, for energy sources like uh, renewables, like solar, like wind, but solar is the only one where you can put it up in a matter of, of weeks and months. Uh, and, and I think this is, this is one of the things that's really covering the picture. Okay, good. Um, just talking about trends or our technologies developing the other day, I was in an event and met some, a person from some company from Switzerland developing panels uh, that are let's say embedded into the facade of the houses right so maybe that's one trend that will be more more and more implemented in the architecture of buildings is that correct or how do you see that yeah i think so i i think you know we, we are seeing the beginning of that trend now right that this technology has just come uh, you know we are not working with this directly today because we see that specific technology is not commercially viable for our projects today, but it's moving in that direction. And if you look at, you know, in California and, and other parts of the world as well, you have, it's now mandatory to put solar as part of the building infrastructure when, you, when you're creating public buildings or even residential homes. And when you see that, you know, the, the quality of these uh, of these panels, you know, you typically have 20 plus years warranty on them and, and you don't have that for all roof types from before and, and this one produces electricity on top and it's embedded. Uh, so it looks nice as well. Uh, I mean, this is, this has to be the future. <laughs> Good. Uh, just also reading around, I was figuring out about agrivoltaic. So is this something that you are interested in maybe in the future or how do you look this technique and and if it's actually commercially viable to, because one of the challenge I see is that, of course, you are using all this space that as well could be used for food or production and so yeah. on, right? No, no, that's that's true. And, and, you know, one of the issues we're having today is that we can never take arable land. If you can use it for, uh, uh, for you know, food production, then we don't want to touch it for a solar project. So we only use wasteland. But that also we are limited in what kind of land we, we take for our projects or we do rooftops for that matter. 
However, by combining those two, uh, you know, you already see in uh, in Netherlands you have a large power plant uh, where you combine it with blueberry farming. You see a lot of pilot projects going on uh, all over the place, and uh, it's already commercially viable. So I, I I think it's more about you know what. Where do you need to put your power plant? Who are the clients? That's and, and what is the grid composition? That's more important than any. You can combine it with other uh, other things like uh, in the agrivoltaic projects. Okay, good. Um, more now talking more about your funding and your finances and how how do you arrive to be public? So this was some decision that you have from the beginning or it was just appearing on the way? Uh, what what makes you to take the decision to go public? Yeah, yeah. I think we started discussing that more and more once we saw the need for, for going with uh, commercial and industrial uh, clients as opposed to state utilities because being a public company, it generates more trust than being privately owned. Uh, now, obviously, from our point, uh, the the main investor from the beginning has uh, has done a lot of good projects, has a fantastic climate profile. Valinor, um, they're called so Valinor. No, I uh, encourage you to have a look at that. Um, mm -hmm. So, so we did have that as a, as a good base, but being a publicly listed company is even better in that regard. And also for Norsk Solar, I mean, one of the natural things we are doing, we are investing in solar projects, we're investing in infrastructure. So that also means we need to have access to more capital as we grow, because we are doing a lot of investments over the coming years. So for us, we saw this as an important step in, in uh, raising the necessary capital for, for the needs we have. Mm -hmm. And what are the requirements to to go public or, or to what kind of companies would you recommend to go public if you have to, let's say, start a new company in, in the sector as well of tomorrow? So how would be your, let's say, your parameters to say, well, this company should go public or not? Yeah, no, I, I think it's it depends a lot on what kind of company you need to be. Uh, and where you get your financing from, what your financing needs are, because it's not for everyone. You know, you have a lot of administration costs uh, connected to it. Uh, the due diligence process ahead of the listing is uh, is not uh, not easier either, and it takes a lot of time and focus. Uh, and and you need to do a lot of things, you know, the right way to to make sure that you're fit for uh, being a public company. Um, so, so it, it, I think if you need the transparency that comes with it, uh, and if you see this as the as a good source of capital, then then I, it's good to move in this direction. But it shouldn't come uh, spontaneously, to put it like that. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. So. It looks like you are doing a lot of stuff. So I was curious about to know how do you manage your time? How that looks a typical day for you? So is always calls or or you have some kind of division of your time? Yeah, yeah no, no, I think that's uh, that's one of the sort of transformations I've, I've tried the past year. You know, it's um, so my role has been going from, you know, in the early days, operational down into the details and uh, everything that happens I have at least one or two fingers on it uh, whereas now we are growing and, and it's a bit different so I, I try to structure and prioritize my day and weeks uh, so you know every Sunday I look at the calendar what's happening the next two weeks and then try to plan ahead for the you know key priorities and the same every morning I set aside some time to prioritize the day and make sure I you know you, you you can't do everything even though you wanted to so, so it's important to prioritize the, the most important things and then in between you're definitely going to be stuck with you know calls and meetings and someone wanting your attention for something uh, so, so one of the things i'm trying to set aside time for is basically just to just to sit down and have the time to talk to people on the team in between you know not just be super busy all the time because that's when you that's how you can solve the small problems before they become larger ones, just to have that time to, to chat with the team. 
Okay, sounds good. And just are now talking more about what do you do outside of your office activities. So do you have any kind of hobbies or stuff that make me make you more uh, productive maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's a you know clear divisive line between before I became a father and a CEO and after. Uh, so so those were two different worlds. You know, before it was uh, you know football, judo, chess, piano, everything I could uh, you know, embrace because I wanted to do everything. Now it's you know a bit limited on on the time frame. So um, I I enjoy you know. Reading a lot, I think that's extremely important, no matter what kind of position you have or what your motivation is. It's a fantastic source of both relaxation and almost like meditation, and but also learning. Um, I like learning new languages. You know, as I mentioned, we have you know 15 different nationalities, 20 different uh, languages on the team. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not anywhere near that, <laughs> but but just to pick up some things here and there, that's that's amazing. And and I like to take my kids uh, hiking uh, when I can. So that's you know that's great to combine with uh, tenting, uh, outdoors, cooking, and. Uh, and uh, well, my new hobby, collecting minerals as well, which is, you know, you just need to have something that's disconnected from the everyday work. So you get the meditation, you get a time off and then, then you're fit for fight afterwards. Good, good. So maybe that those hikings has bring you a lot of new ideas and stuff to go ahead in the solar energy sector as well. No, but they do. <laughs> and it's about, uh, you know, I can sit down, be focused uh, in front of my laptop, uh, you know, for hours, but uh, and not be able to solve a, a problem. But, you know, after 10 minutes jogging uh, or working out, you know, then then it, it, it hits you. So it's it's about disconnecting from uh, from the workplace in between. And I think that's a healthy thing to do. Good, good. And now talking about your team, you said you are growing. So uh, how, what kind of values and team members are you looking for and skills that you can mention? Yeah, so I think at Norsk Solar we're you know, we're extremely diverse, uh, you know, both on the 50-50 gender, but also on, on the nationalities and, but also the subjects we have in, you know, we work with everything from uh, HR, legal and uh, the supporting functions, but also uh, business development, internationalization, uh, finance, engineering, project management, you know, you have a whole host of, of different subjects that you need to be good at to, to make these projects work. Um, so, so it's fairly diverse what we're looking at uh, and I think the common thing in all of these is in addition to being good at, and at what you do is we are looking for people who are motivated and engaged but also in a team setting. So we've had several occasions where we are not picking the one who was you know, best on the CV but the one person who was best at working in the team that we think is a good fit for for the team so so that's something we have a lot of focus on and this is how we've uh, you know for now kept and maintained and developed a culture where people are fantastic at helping each other and you know these are world-class people that they are extremely good at what they do and when we have new people everyone is eager to help to get everyone up to speed and make sure everyone succeeds at what we do because I mean, ultimately, that's how we succeed as a company as well. We don't get a project through if uh, either one of the functions are not uh, not performing well. So we all want to support each other, and that's uh, that's you know. So for me, this is a fantastic place to to be. Got it. I understand. So I assumed that in your daily basis you were working as well into a lot into partnerships and sales and as an off the record you or before the the call we were talking about about uh, that you are talking a lot with investors bankers and so on so um how do you manage to create partnerships do you have any specific process that you follow or techniques or something that guides you in this process to bring someone from being a complete whole, let's say, elite to bring it to close a deal with you guys and move forward. Uh, 
yeah do you have any structure into this yeah yeah so so on that one uh, and i think uh, our sales team would be much better than uh, i to explain it but we use a variation of the spin methodology we call this destabilize investigate solution qualify but basically it's it's a structured approach to to how to get the clients in but then it's it's important for us that you know not just to get the client on board and, and to have a structured process to this but it's extremely important for us to make sure that the next steps are taken care of as well it's one thing to sign a contract with the client but you know ultimately we want to bring this project to an investment decision where we are putting down tens of millions of, of dollars into the project so so for us it's it's equally important to, to make sure that the investment decision process uh, works well as, also. Mm -hmm. And, but you also are communicating as well with investors, bankers and so on. So uh, what is the difference between uh, the communication with a factory uh, CEO maybe, or the decision maker into, into the operations of the factory compared to talking to bankers and investors, how much do you need to adapt the, the conversation and the different, let's say, scripts of the conversation between these players? Yeah, no, I, I think when we started working on this, you know, almost two years ago, we were built to work with the state utilities where you have the bureaucrats, the lawyers and the engineers, and we didn't have a sales process whatsoever. Uh, so, so transforming from that we see that it's a world of difference between talking to our own you know to the lenders into the projects or to the banks and talking to the clients the the way we need to work is completely different um, so, so it's that that's really been transport transformative uh, for us at Norsk Solar and, and I'm happy to say that things are working well on that regard now and, and we see that you know the, the interest is, is fantastic from the clients but it's a totally different approach uh, in, in how we engage and, and what's important you know the bank is all about what's the risk uh, and, and how can we mitigate this and then we need to show the process and whereas for the client it's more about how are we solving their pains. Um, just because we have been talking a lot about this process of building uh, power plants, but what is the typical, uh, let's say, length of a project to arriving from closing a project, a deal to, to make a project and then later being opera operative and moving forward? Yeah, no, no, that's a good question. And, and you, you know, the, the vision is that we're able to do this in a matter of days, uh, in the future, we are not there now. And if you look at the, what standard in the utility scale world, you know, where you're selling the power to the states, you're typically talking about between one and two years uh, to, to close down that whole process of uh, financing and, and power purchase agreement and then starting building and, and constructing it. Um, what we are looking at when we are talking in a business to business relationship, then we are down to a matter of months. Um, but we are now looking into how can we make this even more efficient and you know we're I think we're the first company in the world who has a state-owned uh, state-owned impact investor to co-invest with us so that has shortened down the time immensely on the capital side uh, but we're also looking at how can we improve the process even further and and you know working in a business to business relationship is, is completely different from working with the states and uh, it's incredibly interesting for you know for me and for us as a company to to see how far can we improve the processes that are currently in place because it's been ruled by bureaucrats for ages and now we are looking into a, a sales process and, and shortening it down to you know weeks and months instead of years mm -hmm. got it yeah so it's more in interesting to move forward and to challenge the process and move it forward no, no, definitely <laughs> and, and then it's all about finding the right levels of risk balance and and, uh, and execution power into it uh, but it's it's definitely interesting and and this is what's the future of the world you know if you look at what's happened in south africa earlier on now you had it's almost five years ago since the last time they had a state-sponsored auction where they allowed people or allowed companies to build solar power plants 
you know, you can't wait five years between every time you are building a power plant or you are doing business. So, so this is where we are looking at, you know, engaging directly with the clients, creating a sales network and, and making sure that we are able to deliver to clients. It's, uh, it's a completely different world. And, uh, and, you know, it's not possible for everyone because of the capital requirements uh, to be able to finance these projects. But, but this is where we are. We are now sitting with the key and we're one of the few fortunate players in the world that are working within this space and, and the only one with a state-backed sponsor into our project. So, so this is, uh, it's interesting times. <laughs> good, good. And um, now coming back to, to your personal story of, of yeah, starting this business, kind of uh, being an outsider, let's say, of the traditional, let's say, model, maybe, I don't know. And what would be your recommendation to aspiring entrepreneurs who wants to enter into this industry? Uh, how, how would you say, okay, like you, you said, well, I just want to build something. <laughs> But now, okay, what is the process to figure it out? What is that something? Because, of course, you were working into the consultancy business, right? And then, thanks to that, you figured out potential ideas of business. So if you come back or, or if with your knowledge you have right now, what, how would you research for opportunities as an entrepreneur in this industry? Yeah, I think there, on that one, it's a bit too far on the one hand side, you know, the again to repeat myself it's a technology explosion happening within renewables at the moment so if you see an opportunity of your own or you have an idea go for it and the key thing at least that was worked for me and what I've seen for others as well it's it's having the right team the right network and and the right people on board who can help you on the journey because you know you're never going to sit with all the answers and the idea you have today is definitely not going to be the same one tomorrow uh, or in two years uh, so, so I, I think that's the key to it to find someone uh, that you want to develop this and take this this journey with because it's going to be with a lot of uh, surprises pains and difficult days but also a lot of uh, opportunities and you need to have the right people with you to, to properly develop it. Mm -hmm. okay um Yeah, talking about challenges and obstacles and so on. So do you feel you have lived some of these uh, challenges that maybe you can mention and what you learn out of that? Or how do you feel on that perspective? Yeah, well, I think there are challenges every single day. Uh, but then again, that's, you know, that's how you learn. Uh, I think Ray Dalio put it nicely. You know, if you look back one year and... Uh, and you look at all the stupid things, you should be happy about it because that only shows the amount of things you've learned in the year. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but I, I think it's a good approach to, to, seeing, uh, to seeing things. Um, I, well, not just challenges, you know, things are happening outside of your control that you can't, uh, you can't really predict. I think the number one challenge uh, and, and maybe failure that we did a couple of years back is we uh, started off by uh, building one project in Ukraine and we thereafter we wanted to, you know, we basically put all our eggs into one basket. We wanted to develop every single project we had on the pipeline. They were all in, in the same country. But when you put everything in one market with one client, you're at great risk once that client uh, sees things a bit differently or, or the conditions around that client changes. So then we saw, and that this is a couple of years back, way before there were conflicts, um, we saw basically that all the projects we had with this particular client became unviable because you couldn't get non-recourse financing for it anymore. And that means, you know, we had a whole year of development that was basically down the drain. And, and for a, a early stage scale up, you know, that's critical. It can close the doors of a business if you're not prepared well enough. So then that's the, the moment of pivoting where we saw that, well, actually, we need to move away from this business with the state because there are so much risk associated to it. So we really burned our hand on that one. But that also really accelerated the growth into the commercial and industrial or the business to business approach that we we had started to look at but suddenly we saw that this is the way we need to go 
and so then we we took the chance and and, uh, and went for it and, and that's paid off got it i understand so the concept of not putting all your eggs into one basket always applies <laughs> yeah. okay um talking more about uh, that as you said uh, in the journey of building a business you always need mentors or, or team members and so on so if what would you consider what has helped you in this journey do you have any specific mentors or is or any institutions you have followed at least in the norwegian market or internationally or yeah several and and i think the i think it's always well not, not just wise but i think it's necessary to to keep people around you that knows more about things than yourself If, if not, it's extremely difficult to avoid, you know, the failures and to, to develop yourself as well. Um, so, so, you know, for newcomers in Norway, you have something called Innovation Norway. That's a fantastic, uh, fantastic organization that helps a lot of companies. Um, so we are talking to them when we're working abroad just to get into the networks. Uh, that's fantastic. And, Uh, for me as well, it's been extremely important to surround myself with people that are better at things than myself and complementing my skills as well. So in my management team here in Norsk Solar, um, uh, these are fantastic people that are better at project development, project finance, sales uh, and, and finance and, and uh, legal and compliance and HR. You know, they, they this focus on all the things that we need to, to keep the wheels turning and, and I can focus on what I do. And, and I think that's, that's key for everyone. You know, start off with one or two people that you are complementing your own uh, skills. I think that's the key to it. Uh, and then I've been fortunate enough to, to also have uh, members and coaches uh, that are, you know, that have the experience of working either internationally or, or within, uh, within the energy business. And, and that's really helped me a lot. So, so I try to take the time, you know, as often as I can and several times a month where I also just sit down and discuss problems with the, and challenges and experiences with, the, with these people. Okay, sounds good. Also, do you have any resources that you can recommend like books or podcasts or any other format of media that you like to follow or or is already a lot of information that you need to, well, right now I feel like we have a lot of different resources, so you need to kind of still lack few of them. Yeah, no, but I, I think that's true, you know, and, and there is so much information, there are so many books, but I think honestly that my favorites are still, you know, some of the, the major uh, people on the, on the, in these fields, like, you know, Ray Dalio, uh, Andy Grove, um, They are still relevant even after uh, all of these years. Uh, so, so I really like to to keep these classics on board when I when I read. Um, and I think as well, uh, Ben Horowitz, uh, the hard things about hard things. Uh, that's been a great uh, inspiration uh, for me at least. And he also refers a lot to both Andy Grove and Ray Dalio. So, so I think these have been fantastic, and they they are relevant no matter what kind of business you're in and whether you know it's year 2000 or 2022 it's still relevant mm -hmm. got it if just maybe out of curiosity because your role is as a ceo right so how would you define your role ideally in one word like between your stars of the company to where you are right now and where maybe you will be in the future so How, how your role will evolve or have evolved already. So Yeah, so, so I think in the very beginning, you know, it was a lot about, you know, doing things operationally, you know, as a founder in an early startup, you know, you, you have to do basically everything. So, so it's been a lot from the operation side in the early years. And now I see myself more as, uh, you know, I'm trying to, Uh, let's say, be clear on the vision of the company, 
because everyone around me knows much better what they do than I do. So it's more about, you know, this is where we want to go. This is the strategy and then be as supportive as I can to remove the, the boundaries or the, the challenges or obstacles for, for the people on the team because they're really doing uh, the driving of the company moving forward. So, so I see myself more as guiding and supporting the team and, and what they do more than anything else at the moment. Got it. And in the future, do you see doing the same stuff or you, you already kind of are preparing for the next stage of, of your role? Do you, or do you feel it will continue in the way it is right now? Well, I think you know, I have a bit of the entrepreneur spirit, uh, but still I, I, what we are doing now, this is just the beginning, you know, we are now 30 something people and, and you know, we doubled the organization last year, we're going to double the organization this year and, and with what we've just started, this is just the beginning of the journey for, for me, so, so I have uh, far more to do in, in Norsk Solar than thinking of the next uh, step. Uh, so, so I think there will, it will not necessarily be more of the same in how I do things, uh, but I definitely think uh, that there is a lot more in Norsk Solar for me. Okay, sounds good. So, I mean, we can finish the conversation on, on right now, but uh, I would like to ask you as well, how can people reach you out if they have any questions about the market? or know more about North Solar or if they can collaborate with you as a team member, partner or, or any other, uh, let's say, player? No, absolutely. So uh, I think the, the easiest one is either through LinkedIn uh, uh, on my profile or through the website at Norsk Solar. Uh, so so this, mm -hmm. those two uh, channels are the easiest to, to get my attention. Okay, so thank you very much, Oibin, for your time. I hope it was of your pleasure to talk today and all the knowledge you have shared. I've been enjoying it a lot. And so, yeah, really grateful for that and all the best in your journey. Thank you so much, Ricardo. It was a pleasure to speak to you and uh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, see you around. See you around. Bye, thanks. Bye. Thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and gained valuable insights. Feel free to share with your friends and looking forward to seeing you next time.